Espresso machine's always on. We usually have uh, some nice sweets and desserts if anybody wants to come by. And uh, What's that's the address. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Excellence of Execution. Let's welcome our hosts, Paul and Dan. We are back. At least we're doing this weekly now. Yeah, man, you're a busy guy. What do you want me to do? You're the busiest I've guy. I've tried to get you in here. You're busy. You got Harbor 60, Blue Jays games. <laughs> you got Raptors games. Thanks to you, Raptors. It's obviously you got You got NHL games. You're you the got, season ticket holder. You got, you got, you know, swimming in the pool. You got uh, golf. You got uh, all sorts of fun things. Uh, You're just firing no, off my entire life. Yeah, Leave but, but, but no time for the podcast, unfortunately. Yeah, so, work uh, next, you know what? Instead of Tim and Sid, it's going to be Fink and Friends. <laughs> Fink and Friends. Anyways, Guido, our guest here, is sitting here. Looking, good looking at you. Gui, welcome to the pod. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me out. There's the banter. If you haven't seen already, just Dan sits there. He fires off and uh, he thinks he's the funniest guy in the pod business. I'm the best looking guy at the brokerage. Right. Hands down. Right. Okay. Put my face on the sign. Okay. Funniest. I don't know, but I'm working up there. You're working on that. Well, we are, uh, we're here. We've, uh, I think we talked about this before. I think you listened in on a few episodes, Gui, and you're, and you're asking, when did you guys start doing this? And I asked if you'd come out. Guido, of course, is one of our uh, preferred private lenders. And we've been doing, uh, since, since I probably joined, we've been doing quite a bit together and it's been a great partnership. So thanks for coming out and, and we're, we're glad to have you on and get into this today. Uh, I think a lot of our listeners would love to know uh, a little bit about you before we jump into the business sides of things. So Gui, tell us a little bit about your background and experience and how you went from the catering business to uh, the private lending business. Okay, well, thank you. Um, so basically, I started my career out in uh, hospitality. I was in the banquet hall business uh, doing weddings and dealing with brides. And then I got into the, a little bit of the golf business, uh, contract catering. And then uh, when I was at the age of 27, I decided to go on my own. I had a business for about 22 years, so I'm sort of giving you an in, sort of an indication of how old I am. But I, I ran that for about 22 years, and about 16, 17 years ago, I was approached um, uh, from a few uh, people that asked me if I wanted to do some private mortgages, because I used to be in the stock market. I was in that, that business for about 20 years. I sort of got tired of the ups and downs of the stock market. So uh, I remember doing my first deal, it was, for, it was a second for $60,000 and not really knowing very much about the business. So I did that, that, that deal, and then uh, I got another call, another call, and I'd hooked up with a few lawyers, and before I knew it, um, I was getting calls every week. So I, I, I sort of drained all my portfolio in the stock market and uh, started moving it all over to mortgages. Then, you know, had more of an interest, and I thought to myself, you know what, I should really think about getting licensed in the business. So I went out and I got my agent license, and then a year later, I got my broker's license, and uh, here I am, uh, basically 16 years later, uh, I sold my business about five years ago, and now I'm doing this full time and uh, just, you know, keep on growing every year. You sold the hospitality business. The hospitality. I, yes, I had, uh, you know, I had grown it. I had uh, four locations when I started in, two, in 1995, and I sold it in uh, 2019. I had 68 locations. Well, I was, wow. Yeah, I was basically the head of sales and uh, uh, customer service, and I had my brother-in-law that worked with me in that business. and. Uh, he sort of, uh, after I started doing the mortgages, he was, uh, he was helping, uh, you know, he was basically taking the larger uh, portion of the business. He was running that portion. And now uh, he's actually joined me about four years ago. So he's my main underwriter. 
and helps us uh, with the MIC as well. So you have two business lines. You have a syndicated fund and then you have a mortgage investment corporation as well, or is it just the MIC? Oh, I have the MIC and I have an LP and I have an administration license. So the administration license allows me to, um, we don't really do syndication. I, I have individual lenders that we manage their, their, their funds. But not through the MIC. Not through the MIC. That's no. like, they know what deals they're going to. Exactly. They know what the returns are and you just manage the funds and then whatever admin stuff you got to take care of. You exactly. Take care of. So you best of both worlds for, you know, different types of investors. Exactly. So I, you know, I, I know, you know, because of uh, all the years I've been around, I know a lot of high-end, uh, you know, high net worth individuals that approached me that they want to do mortgages. Yeah, so, yeah. That's, that's how you know Paul. That's how we know Paul. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Danny, you're so funny. Agree. Can you walk us through the role of how you built, how you built this to? So let's. We didn't even get the name of the of your firm. Let's get the name of your firm. Oh, it's Richu Capital Mick. Yep. And I have Richu Management that manages the Mick. So uh, the management companies manages the Mick, and I also have uh, Centrix Financial, which is our LP. I first started with that. That was very small. So I'll I'll, I'll tell you how this all yeah, started. Yeah. yeah. Um, unfortunately, my parents passed away. Uh, uh, my mom passed away about nine years ago. So when, hear that. when we sold the home and I uh, had some uh, some inheritance, I figured, what what do I do this? So I thought, okay, let me let me start setting up something for my kids. So that's how I started uh, Centrix, and I started doing some deals. And then I had uh, some people approach me once I had started, saying, "Look, I want to invest some money with you." And uh, I said, okay. And then you know, learning more and more about it, that's when I became an LP. And I uh, started, started getting in uh, different investors. We, we were paying 8% return, which we pay quarterly. And, uh, you know, I have everything pretty well set up. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been growing. And then probably about uh, three years ago, I, I had a lot of uh, the same individuals calling me saying, can we do anything with our RSPs? We're not really happy with where we have them. And uh, with the LP, you really can't do it. So that's when I started up the MIC and the management company. Oh, okay. So that makes sense. So you were just filling a need of some of your investors that wanted to take out some of their RSPs. That's awesome. Right. And that's actually grown. So uh, the MIC has actually grown, grown larger than the LP because of the, um, you know, we do, um, you know, Lira, we do uh, RSP and we do uh, tax-free savings accounts. Who as well. manages all, all this? Because I know it's very paper heavy, right? Yes. Yes. So I have, uh, I have a controller. Okay. I have uh, two administrators, okay, and I have uh, my my assistant, uh, my my brother-in-law, which basically handles all the investments. So basically, all the screening and uh, uh, managing of uh, all the funds coming in and out, and and uh, he overlooks the controller that handles all the numbers. Wow! And you built this all from the ground up. You oh. went and got the lenders. I know you were being approached, but walk us through to where you built it today. Is yeah, so it's so it's 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 yeah, it is interesting. Uh, it it happened uh, fairly quick. Uh, like the the growth in the last four years has probably been the largest growth. Uh, so when I first started, uh, you know, I'd be at, a, at an event and someone would ask me, "What do you do?" Like I, when I was, and a lot of people knew that I was in the catering business. So when they didn't see me that I was in the kitchen, they asked me, "What what are you doing?" And I explained to them, "I'm in finance now." Now my wife was also an ex banker. She was with the bank for 19 years. So that obviously helps because when they've known her from the bank and and they've known us. So uh, these are a lot of uh, individuals that had properties that sold and they were sitting on, on money and they, uh, they thought, where, where, where can we park this? The bank only gives one to two, 3%. Uh, they, they knew we were giving 8% and they saw that the money is still put in bricks and mortars and uh, they were very comfortable with it. So basically, um, you know, anytime I'm at an event, people will call and uh, just wherever I would be, 
I was coaching my, my boys. I've, I've, I was a coach in hockey and baseball. I met a lot of people through that. They would ask me about it. Our minimum invest is $100,000. So, you know, I have anywhere from 100000 to $1 million investors. And as we grow, the number grows of, of the, the money that uh, people bring to us because obviously we have a good track record. They trust us. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's been going very, very well so far. Did you coach because you love coaching or did you coach to get business? No, no, no. I coach because I love coaching. Uh, yeah. Comes with a lot of stress. It does. It does. But uh, you know what? I, I always uh, tell people when you're, when you're out there and, uh, you know, I was on the stands eating popcorn and watching uh, my boys play and I, I wasn't really happy with, with what I was seeing. So right. I thought rather than complain, let me do something about it. So I, I got into that and then I started coaching baseball. And uh, it's just amazing the, the people you meet. And a lot of people ask me, uh, Guido, how you know how do you how do you get people in? Well, that's how you get people in. You you get out there. You out you go out and you meet people and you do things. You volunteer. I volunteered at the school. I volunteered coaching. I volunteered at the church. And I'm always out pretty well. If there's an opportunity to do something to meet people, I'm there. Um, I get invited to a boat cruise. I'll walk on that boat and I'll maybe only know two people. By the time I leave, I know twelve people. Right. And I know a lot of the youth. Uh, they feel that social media is the is the best way to get out there. Um, I'm a little more old school. I believe one-on-one is is the best way. Like, you know, how I met you, Paul. Uh, you know, I've known your dad for 35 years. Yeah. He was in the same business. And uh, I, I remember meeting him uh, when he was running restaurants in the past. And, um, you know, that's how I met you. It's just, and, and, and that's where the trust comes because because of the relationship I have with certain people, their kids now become, you're in that same circle of trust. Yeah. And um, that's, how, that's how I've built my business. And, uh I think that's been very, very effective for me. Not for sure. I agree. I it's, love the, you know, the, the DF perspective of like, you know, sort of like the brick and mortar approach to building a business, you know, getting out there in the pavement, building relationships, being face to face. That's your approach. I think so. The DF approach. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, the reason why I asked about the coaching is because uh, I'm coaching my daughter's soccer team. It could be the funniest seven. thing I've ever seen in my life. So I, I look like uh, Will Ferrell and Kicking and Screaming. I was just going to say that. Have you ever seen the movie Kicking and Screaming? Uh, With no, Will Ferrell? When, no. When you get, they get the Italians. and Anyways, he drinks a lot of coffee. He's very high strung. I, I'm, I, I breathe and I use emotional intelligence, I think, at work. Would, would, is that safe to say? Maxi, Dan? Like, say, that, say that again? I ooze emotional intelligence at work. I'm very... Ooze? Ooze. Like, I like, ooze emotional intelligence. Like, like when if I'm somebody could see me right now, they could see me doing this, okay, this forget it. Anyways, ooze emotion? Anyways, it's, it's a large you word. You ooze it. Right. But when I'm, at, when I'm coaching, it's when I'm on the field, I'm a different beast. But my point was, one of the games, I think we got killed. It was like our second or third game. We're playing a year up. And I was like... Some of the parents are like, oh, you know, we thank you that you're doing this. And I'm like, okay, as long as I get one deal from one of you guys, it's worth it. A mortgage, right? Uh, so that's why I asked if you did it on purpose. And, sh- and any parents listening, that's not why I did it. I do love coaching. If as there's well. any parents listening, yeah. do not bring snacks at halftime. Oh, that's a different story altogether. <laughs> that really threw us off. One that's game. right. My kids wanted to, uh, to drink Kool-Aid versus going on the field. And I said, are we here to drink Kool-Aid or play soccer? And, uh, but anyways, that's a different story. A different, well, a different person's coming out there. I used to sponsor, so that was always a good tool. Uh, our company, uh, you know, we, we've always sponsored, and people would ask, you know, what is that? And But I used to get a lot of, uh, of the parents approaching me when they had mortgage questions or they're purchasing a home, and uh, sometimes they'd use us, sometimes they wouldn't, and that's okay. Or sometimes I would just help them along the way. And then maybe a year later, I'd get a referral for, from their neighbor or their cousin or their son or, or, or someone. So... 
bottom line is, and I, like I said, I can't reiterate this enough, is people want to deal with people that they trust. And in this business where I think a lot of people um, fall short is they just feel, they don't realize the importance of when it's on the last day of closing and the bank falls apart and something is wrong. The panic that, that sets in and the liability that's involved, you know, we take that very serious and we realize that that's really what's going to make you successful or unsuccessful. You could have been the best broker along the way, but if something falls apart on the 12th hour, you're not getting a referral. If anything, they're going to tell five people of how horrible of a job you did. So you can do all the advertising, social media you want. If you can't get, if you cannot execute what's asked of you, then you're, you know, you're not going to really get too far in this industry. I couldn't agree more. So for me, this next question is something that when you were coming out, I was really excited to ask. And I think it's very important. How do you balance the needs of your investors versus winning brokers business like mm. us? That's a, that's a really, really good question. Uh, that's you. probably my main job in, the, uh, in our office. Uh, you know, I have everyone that's able to execute, uh, but really dealing with the emotions of, you know, interest rates, safety of the deals. Uh, I was just talking to one of my lenders yesterday, the, you know, trying to keep them on track of what we're trying to do. You know, main thing that, that I when, when so, so I'll start off when, when I first meet someone who wants to put money out into mortgages. So I actually interview them. So just because you have money doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to deal with you. You can have $50 million, but if I don't like you and I don't like your attitude, I'm not dealing with you because automatically that's going to affect the relationships I've built in the last 15 years. So my brokers are very important to me because I've, you know, I have a relationship with them. I've, uh, I've spent a lot of time with them and building trust and, and they trust me to take care of them. So when I meet with my uh, potential lenders, I, I basically have a list of questions for them. Ask them what's, what's their risk adverse, what, what, what's their return, what, what are they expecting? Um, so I go through a whole, whole uh, list of questions for them. And then before we finish the conversation, I go through my set of expectations. You know, when, when we're dealing with the deals, how things are handled and, and where my role falls in. So really, if they're not on board with, with what I want, like they have to deal with my lawyers, they have to uh, basically give me the wiggle room to be able to uh, set rates and they have to be able to trust me that I'm representing them as best as I can. If we don't see eye to eye, then I just don't take them on. Uh, most people would want to do that. It's, for me, it's not just about the money. It's really about the relationships because the money will come on its own. The way you have the success is doing that. So uh, just the other day, I, you know, I had one of uh, my lenders, I hadn't spoken to him for a while. They said, well, Guido, with the, with the interest rates going up right now, you know, what do we do with the rates? I said, well, look, uh, we've had about a one and a quarter to one and a half rate increase, but we, we've only raised our rates half a percent. And she's trying to understand why. I said, I'll tell you why. I said, because right now, uh, most of our competitors that were cheaper than us are actually more expensive than us. So all that means to me right now is that we could pick the best deals out there and keep your money as safe as possible. Because if you recall, when we first met, I asked you, what's your very first question? Uh, sorry, what's the first thing that you're concerned about is keeping your money safe. So I can send you a deal that the rate's going to be higher, but there's a little bit more risk involved. And I, I just constantly remind them and then they'll say, yes, Guido, now we understand why we're with you. So really, that's where, where I find I probably differentiate with a little bit more than my competitors is that I really have strong relationships on both sides and I really try to do what's best for both sides because at the end of the day without without one or the other um you know i, I really can't be successful no i think that's great you answer a lot of the investor guidelines that you set and and how your communication flows both ways which is extremely important they, they obviously want to know 
what's out there and, and what you're doing and, and you keep them all afloat. Do they come to you quite often? I guess you probably have a mix of how often they're checking in or... Well, most of the times they'll, they'll check with me if there's a change in the market or if something's happening. But usually I'm, I'm ahead of the curve. Like, you know, I do my own private lending as well. I'm a lender as well. So it's not that I'm just brokering deals. I treat their money the same as I would treat mine or my mother's or anybody's money for that matter. So like the, you know, I've scaled back my, my loan to value probably about six months ago. And a lot of brokers couldn't understand why because I sort of saw this coming. I've been in real estate. I bought my first property when I was 19 years old. So I've seen ups and downs. I've seen recessions. I've seen uh, market changes. Uh, you know, a lot of people the last uh, four months were saying to me, oh, there's no way that the market, you know, that, that there's, there's supply and demand situations, immigration. Well, you see how quickly it just changed right now. I sort of saw this coming. And, uh, you know, a lot of my friends are like, Guido, how did you see that? I said, well, this is what I do every day. I, I talk with appraisers. Most of my friends are appraisers and real estate agents. And I call them. I call them on a regular basis to see what's happening. And I compile all that information and I make, a, I make an intelligent decision based on what they're telling me. I don't have a crystal ball. And I always look at it. If I'm wrong, I'm still, I'm still good. Uh, because if I, if I do scale it back and, and I scaled it for no reason, the money's still safe. Because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that the investment money is safe. No one wants to lose money. Because then when people start losing money, uh, broker's long gone. You know, I'm, dealing, I'm, I'm left dealing with the investor. And most of my investors are my friends. They've been to my house. They'll, they'll, they'll come to parties that I throw. Um, they're, they're part of my daily life. So it's my responsibility to make sure that I'm, I'm doing what's in their best interest. How do we get invited to these parties? Yeah, we, how much I money do you have to, give I, you to get invited? I want to be How much more... money do you need, Ralph? Paul will write you a check to get invited to, to, get invited <laughs> to these parties. I want to be friends with appraisers and real estate agents more so too. Yeah. You know, Gui. Put us on the guest list. Yeah, what's going on here? <laughs> You'll be coming. Don't worry. It's just a matter of time. How much, how much money does Paul need to give you right <laughs> no, now? No, how much more business do we got to send? No, no. Come on, Paul, tell take us. out your checkbook, please. Well, yeah, I don't want my checkbook. You know, we have that. <laughs> we have in our office, we have each brokerage. We have like, um, you know, you know how they have the scales? Yeah. You guys are getting up there. Are we? Oh, you're getting up oh, there. Thank, thanks for that. You're getting up there. <laughs> Once you get close to the line, I'll be calling you guys. Guys, three more deals. I think you might be in. Okay, okay well, that's all. Not just let us know. Not a problem. The numbers. So right now, are you actively still seeking brokerages to work with? Or is that more organic? What, what would you it's say? Organic. It's organic. It's organic. And I don't just take on it. I do the same thing with the brokerages. Um, if you recall, Paul, we, you and I had a lunch meeting uh, when we first started. I, what did I Paul inter- have? What did Paul eat? Chicken and rapini? Uh, yeah, actually, I think <laughs> we had chicken and rapini. And fennel salad. We, we, Big sat, we sat at the, exec- at the executive table. That's right. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> We, I've uh, sat there once before. And, and Paul, Paul can attest to this. Uh, I interviewed him. Not like indirectly. I don't, I don't say it's an interview, but let's meet, let's talk. And I like the things he said. I'm sure he liked the things I said, and that's why we're here today. Uh, but if I, don't like, if I don't like where the brokerage is going or, or the mentality of who's heading up the brokerage, I don't involve, I don't bring my investors in there. I don't bring our mic because I have, I have about 130 investors that I'm responsible for. They come into my office, they'll, they'll sit in my office and they'll ask me questions. And, and uh, at any time, for us, we have an open door policy to all our investors. They can come at any point. We, uh, we, we open up our system. We show them what our average LTV is, what we're working on. I'm not like the bank where uh, your money's with us and uh, you need an appointment to come and see me. Espresso machine's always on. We usually have uh, some nice sweets and desserts if anybody wants to come by. And uh, what's that's the address? Come on, there a few here? times. How, how far is it from here? It's oh, it's far. 12 minutes. There. 12 minutes with the 407. I had to go there for you once. Come by. But to pick up a check? We have, pick up we a have check f- for you. I'm your assistant. I pick up your dry cleaning, your checks, or anything else you need. I'm there. I've never had 
anything dry cleaned in my life. So I don't know what dry oh, cleaning. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's just funny to say that. Dan, do you have any questions right now before I got, I got two more, but I just, I have more of a statement. I really enjoy your approach. I think there's two things that I took out of it. Number one, you want both your partners on both ends, right? Brokering is about making two parties come together, right? So That's right. your broker partners and your lender partners to buy into your process. Yes. I, re- I really, really, really appreciate that. And there's no sense of, and again, don't take this in any way, shape or form, but there's no sense of arrogance you know, around you. There's no sense of I'm better than somebody else. There's, there's really an approach that I find refreshing that, you know, you just want to get the business done. You want to grow your business. You want to grow your brand. And it seems as though every day for you is as if it was your first day when you started in this business. And, and I find that to be a really refreshing mentality and, it, and it's something to be uh, highlighted and appreciated. Yeah, the passion's still there for you. Thank you. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, um, and I, I think about this all the time because it's funny when my wife was in, uh, you know, she used to work for the bank. I used to get invited to, to the bank events. And uh, I'll never forget Scotia invited us down to um, an event and they had a comedian there. And this guy was so funny and no one's laughing. I'm looking around and I said to my wife, you guys are all a bunch of stiffs, right? <laughs> it's just like accountants, right? If you look at accountants, no offense to anyone that's listening, but accountants, they're, they're pretty like even my controller. He's great, but he does his own thing. Uh, you know, crack a joke. He's got a little smile on the one side of his mouth. But I come from hospitality. I come where, where people are having a great time. I used to be in the wedding business. Uh, us, it's about customer service, about making people feel great. And it could be very boring. If you really think about doing a, a financial transaction, it's not really much about, not really much involved in the sense where you're, you're, you're pushing paper, you're moving money, but I feel that I want to make it exciting. So I want to make it, it, it a great experience. So I'm going to tell you one quick story, right? Please. Uh, one, this is, this is like just an amazing story. I, I told someone this story yesterday. So this was probably about, I would say about eight, nine years ago, you know, because my, my wife is also, uh, you know, a broker. And we're, we're about to enter the car wash. I'll never forget. She's in the driver's seat. I'm the, in the passenger seat. She gets this call from a random client said that uh, someone referred her to my wife that uh, I think had a real estate agent. And she had given the uh, real estate agent a $10,000 deposit for her home. And the, the, the um, lawyer took off with, with, the, with her money. And she didn't have any money to close this, uh, this, this deal. And she was just in tears. And my wife turns to me and says, Guido, do you want to do this deal? I said, she doesn't have any money. It's 100% financing. And she goes, I know deep down, down inside, just talking to her, you know, I think, I think you'll be fine. And I think at that time, it was maybe about $180,000, $190,000. It was, I said, a number of years ago for a condo. And I turned to my wife and I said, okay, I'll do it. And I had that mortgage for three years, never missed a payment. And eventually, they sold that condo to move into a home and they paid me back. So once again, it was one of the ones that we did that was more of a, to help a client that was in need. And that client, I can't tell you how many referrals she sent to my wife because of what we did. Would I do that now? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I got that a couple a gut, for you. That was you know, a gut feel. Yeah. Well, gotta, you know what I it is? I got a few situations. Maybe you can, we can help them out. <laughs> you know, no ignorance is bliss. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know. But I always remember that story because I did something to help someone. And even today, when we do certain deals, um, we look at we look at the whole situation. We're like, well, how can we help this client? We've helped so many clients get into homes. I used to also be on the uh, home trust. I used to be one of their bundle partners. So back in the day, probably in uh, 2016, 17, I was doing deals to 90% loan to value. What does wow. that mean, bundle partner? 
So what happens is that home trust used to do the first mortgage up to 75% or 80%. And yeah. I used to top up on the back end with a second mortgage. So, wow. So we charge a fee, like a 1% fee on the full mortgage. And I would be the same rate. So let's say it was 499 on their classic product. Yeah. My payment was 499 So payment on, let's say, the $40,000, mortgage was maybe $60, $70 a month. It allowed that, that client, that first-time home buyer to buy a home. Wow. Following year... They'd get a refinance and Home Trust would refinance the mortgage. When did you, when did that stop? Is that not 2018, right? Because B20 now wouldn't allow that. Right. But, but is that when it ended? It ended in B20. Wow. Yes. That's really so cool. I was that is really, really cool. And that's really when we grew a lot. I, sorry, I shouldn't really mention that in the beginning. No, that's, that's okay. sort of. No, no, it's all good. What happened and. Uh, we didn't know, even know that existed because we entered the space after, after B20. That, yeah. B20, we were institutionalized. Right. Uh, not in a hospital at a bank. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> thanks for prefacing yeah. that. <laughs> and uh, I didn't even know that product existed because that's that's a fantastic a product. Like I find that oh, yeah. you know if there was a B lender or an alternative lender out there, not a private per se, that would allow first time home buyers to take leverage over eighty percent, like that bank will do phenomenally, right? Yeah, not in but this obviously B twenty doesn't allow that anymore. That's right. right. So. It's, it's really cool. I didn't even know that product existed. So you learn something every day. Well, and then what happened was, um, so, so I started that program and we were doing a lot of deals. Like at one point I went to go see my lawyer that I had met him. And uh, I said to him, I said, you know, uh, you know, I'm pretty ambitious. I want to get to about 25 deals a month. He says, Guido, you're doing 30 already. Wow. <laughs> I didn't even realize it because- yeah, The small not, deals. Right. And I'm not one who tracks. At that point, it was more about, it was more about, what can I do to help home trust clients um, just grow my business and, and uh, really meet new brokers? And I met a lot of brokers through that program because once they saw the service that we were providing, I remember sometimes I would be uh, driving back from a catering at six o'clock at night. I get a call from a broker needing a, a deal to close the following day. I'd run home, turn on my computer at home, prepare the commitment. I was everything. I was the, I was the, the person underwriting, doing the commitments, fulfillment, moving the money, banking. And then, uh, you know, now, now basically I, I only do, you know, business development and, and I, and I just, I'm, I'm about doing relationship building, right. Yeah. And, uh, bringing in investors. So that was about, uh, six, seven years ago. So, you know, going back to what Paul said, that's, that's how it just transformed and organically. I don't, I'm not one who wants to do things quickly. I like to do things slowly. I want to be in a position where I feel that we always have a grasp about what's happening. And I want to, I want to make sure that I'm able to keep my relationships going and keeping them strong and don't forget where I come from. So it doesn't matter whether I'm, I'm managing a million dollars or a hundred million dollars. I always want that person that I started with to feel that they're always getting the same service. So that's where, where I think uh, I've been pretty successful at doing that. And exactly what you said, Daniel, for me, I, it's, it's all about my hospitality background and my brother-in-law because he, he was my partner, my underwriter. And we both have, he, he left the office last night at 9.30. He started yesterday morning at 8. He left at 9.30 last night doing commitments because we were getting calls late at night. And he's not one to say, well, you know what? It's uh, 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock. I need to go home. He'll do whatever he needs to do. And he came in this morning whistling and, and uh, he brought in uh, breakfast because he was tired from last night and he's ready to close those deals that he did those, those commitments for last night. You know, we get a lot of deals that uh, they're like, uh, we've closed deals as, as quick as six hours. Now, do we want to do that all the time? Absolutely not. But we realize the importance and the responsibility. We take on a pretty big responsibility because now all of a sudden, the, the ball's in our court. We, we'll tell someone we can close it. We need to close it. So I've managed to get all the lawyers that we deal with on board, my staff on board, and we're all, we're all thinking on the same page. 
And that's why we've been able to be that successful. And I tell them, look, if you're not, if you can't think at this level and, and do what, what I feel is necessary, then you know what, we're, the partnership's just not going to work with the broker or with, with the lawyers or anybody that we, or, or the lender for that matter. In today's market, I saw you talking to some of, the, some of our brokers when you came in today. What piece of advice would you give our listeners about private lending and deals right now, really quick? Well, you know what? I think that when, when we talk about private lending, this is where there's always a misconception. People think that private lending is the last solution. It's not the last solution. Private lending is really necessary for a specific client. Um, sometimes it's short term. Sometimes it's, it's last minute because they, the, a broker didn't do what they needed to do. And I always tell them, that's what I was speaking to your, your, uh, your, your agents out there, Paul, about, you know, you really need to get to know what the client's needs are. Don't put them in a product that they can't get out because now you're not doing a service to them. You're actually, you're harming them and you're harming yourself and your reputation. So I'd rather say no to someone that I know that I'm going to put them in a product that I know I, that, that, you know, they're going to end up selling and losing money. Um, so we look at, we look at a lot of times is, is there affordability? Is, is, it really, is it really right for them what they're doing? You know, we, we do a lot of construction financing. Construction finance is pretty simple. I ask them, are you selling the house or are you keeping the house? So whatever way they're telling me, we do the math, we, we, we work, work through everything. If it makes sense, fine. If it doesn't make sense, we say, no, I'm sorry, we can't help you. And some brokers in the beginning were saying, well, well why, Guido, it doesn't make sense. And then I take the time and explain to them because I feel that this industry, um, you know, you don't really work for, well, now there's a lot more mix, but you know, like yourselves, you're all from the banking industry. So you've, you've got all your training from the bank. So A and B product, pretty simple, but where did you learn how to do private? So it's up to me. I feel I have a responsibility to a lot of the agents up and coming. Like I've, uh, I've actually been on the phone with clients, with your clients and your agents going through the deal and explaining to the, to the borrower, listen, you need to understand you're doing this. Here are the numbers and let's work on all the numbers. So that's what I always say. Private is, is great but you need to have the exit strategy. If there's no exit strategy, I really don't ever recommend anyone doing that deal. Couldn't agree more. All right, the, the funnest part, what do, you, uh, what do you do for fun outside of work, We? Oh, I do a lot of things. So my number one thing that I, uh, I love doing is traveling. I've been uh, traveling uh, probably the last 30 years with my wife. We've, we've been to a lot of different places. Now with COVID, obviously, we, we missed out in the last couple of years. So we do traveling. I, I do a lot of golfing in the summertime. I, my plan is to golf all different parts of the world. I go to a lot of golf tournaments. I go to, um, with, with a lot of our friends, we, we, we go down to Bahamas. I go down to Florida and I'm part of a lot of different uh, clubs that do tournaments all year round. Well, I used to love coaching. Uh, my boys are a little bit older now. So, and I love mentoring people. And I know when people say, well, how's that fun? Because I, I get a lot of satisfaction from teaching and, and uh, you know, basically sharing a lot of my my wisdom and my experience with, uh, with young people. So anybody that, uh, you know, a lot of my son's friends that have uh, businesses, they tend to come around my office. They have an espresso, sit in my office. Uh, we'll have a drink or espresso and uh, we'll talk a little bit about their business. And I like to mentor, mentor them. And I, and I don't really want anything in, in return. I just want to see them successful because I think the youth has so much potential today and uh, just want to really help them out in doing that. And I uh, love spending time with, with my friends. Um, you know, um, on the weekends and just basically relaxing. And we reminisce about a lot of things we've done in the past, right? Because um, most of my friends are entrepreneurs is, and it's uh, it just, uh, it's a great time. That's awesome. What was the best course you ever played? Best course I've played uh, is uh, Muskoka Bay. 
we, we go up there every summer. I organize a tournament with a good friend of mine. Uh, very challenging. And uh, we, we'll usually play a couple of rounds up there. Uh, and I like Royal Blue in, uh, in Bahamas. At the Bahamar, we, uh, we, go, we go there for a few tournaments as well. Those are so far my, my, my two Can't favorites. wait to play there with Guido. I'll yeah. shoot probably a 160 that day. It's, it's hard. It's a hard course. <laughs> yeah, if you don't play all the time. Um, yeah, so, so that's, that's the basic thing. Like I said, with COVID, it's really it's thrown a lot of people off. And uh, right now, uh, some people are just trying to get back into the swing of things, right? I heard like when you play in Florida or Bahamas, the grass just hitting off there is totally different. Totally different. The, blade, the blades of grass are a lot thicker ball sits a lot differently so your game has to change a little bit and one thing i learned which i never knew is the sea level when you're in florida the ball doesn't go as far so you have to change the clubs that you're hitting the distance that you're hitting but that's something i just learned it's last gonna, year it's gonna make my game even worse yeah. Dan, you're you're a scratch golfer so you're okay listen i don't, I don't need to uh, <laughs> i don't need to you know golf's a tough game Guido's probably you shoot. You gotta show, shoot low eighties. I shoot no, no, no. I shoot like I'm a like a three handicap <laughs> <laughs> with two zeros behind. Wait, it. you see him at, the, at, at, at your at your son Staggy when he golfs. Yeah, you, I just got I just got a new new clubs, blades, whatever. He won't play best ball. He wants to play his ball every time. Yeah, so I only play my it. ball. Best ball is for suckers. I play my own ball. Golf golf is a really difficult sport. Like I've been playing golf for about thirty years now, and. Uh, I've gotten a little bit better. You know, we, we really go out to spend time together, make yeah. a few good shots, and, uh, you know, that's what it is. And uh, the other thing I love uh, doing is cooking because I was my background. You know, I have a hospitality background, so I love, uh, I love cooking for friends and family. And um, What's your famous dish? If you were to go and beat Bobby Flay, what are you cooking? Oh, I'm doing a pasta dish. What I'll kind? Take them down. What kind? Take them down. I'll do it on ricchetti. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh. I'll bring my own, but I'm not going to go in their pantry. I'm going to bring no, my own. bring your own pantry. I'm bringing like my own, bring my own of pantry. Of how come you never ask me what my famous dish is? You barbecue. I don't. I don't. I don't and you make to, I don't know a salad with do, uh, balsamic vinegar. Yeah, that's all I could. Yeah. Do. What are we talking salad about? Salad and some toast. No, and you do barbecue. Barbecue. Yeah. 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 That's it. It's your mother-in-law. That's the chef. <laughs> that's <laughs> my chef. wife too. My wife too. And 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 your wife. Well, this was a blast, Squee. Thanks so much for coming out. Thank you. Can't wait to golf with you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Uh, don't forget. We got a couple of things we got to talk about. Yes. Number one, <laughs> the parties. The parties. <laughs> the parties. Like. like like what are okay. we talking about here? Number two, the golf. Okay. Okay. Bahamar, great place. What's number three? I don't know. <laughs> We're family. We're family. <laughs> That's a wrap. Thanks, Gui. Thanks you guys for having me.